I'm Iris McAlpin, and you're listening to Pure Curiosity, an exploration of the human experience and what it takes to be mentally healthy in our modern world. All right. Hello, Victoria. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm so excited to be here talking to you today, Iris. Likewise. Yeah, this is going to be such a treat for me. And um, I just love to begin the way I always do, which is to ask you a little bit about who you are and how you got started doing what you're doing. Yeah, so um, people might know me uh, on the internet uh, as Fierce Fatty. That gives you a clue about what I do is I teach uh, fat people to love and accept their body uh, and to stop dieting and um, start intuitive eating. And I've been doing that on the internet for, gosh, I don't maybe five years now time flies it feels like two minutes but it's been about that that long um and I got to this place because I always hated my fat body I spent my my whole life dieting and just wishing that I could be thin and nothing ever worked um and I know uh the audience uh, knows and you know about dieting and how it doesn't work and how frustrating that is um that I couldn't be the person that I wanted to be and then I came across the message of it's okay to be fat and I was like what what do you mean it's okay to be fat no it's not and started learning the science behind that and the uh the social justice um lens uh on the idea of of fat phobia and I have not looked back once it's literally changed my life and it's made me so passionate about it that I I'm doing this for a living and I just want to shout from the rooftops, hey, everybody, it's okay to be fat. Don't worry about it. Um, so that's that's where I am today. I kind of wish we were on video because I have the biggest smile on my face hearing you yeah. talk about that. <laughs> and uh, I do want to go over some of the downfalls of dieting because, yes, I think some of my audience knows that that's a bad idea, but... I guarantee you there's somebody listening to this thinking, what? Diets aren't good, huh? Mm -hmm. So would you be willing to go into that for a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there are many, 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 many studies to show the the ill effects of, uh, of dieting, what it does to our bodies and what it does to our minds. Um, the reason why people go on diets is they want to be thinner. And studies show that is a great indicator for someone who has a higher weight is someone who is dieted. And so uh, two out of three people who go on a diet actually weigh more after than they did before going on the diet. Um, 95%, this is a conservative, it's 95%, but more closer to 99.9% of diets simply fail. And it has nothing to do with the person who's taking the diet. It has nothing to do with that you you lack willpower. There's so much going on in your body. Um, Your body is trying to stop you starving, which it what is, you're in a famine. Your body doesn't know that you're just like, oh, I just want to slim down and get into this dress. Your body's like, oh my God, we are dying. And so many things happen to make you, um, you you become less motivated to move your body. You um, crave things that uh, have higher fat or high calorie. You become obsessed with food and it's the only thing you can think of because it's important that that's the only thing you can think of because your body thinks that you're starving. Um, your metabolism metabolism changes. Uh, If you look at, there's a study, um, a great article, I think it was the New York Times, uh, followed the the contestants from that, the show, The Biggest Loser, which is just, oh, it's just fat phobia at the worst. Um, And their metabolisms are so destroyed. And you might be thinking, oh, well, you know, they're an extreme case, they were, you know, doing it extreme. Um, but it's it's all diets. It's it's uh, when people say, oh, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. <laughs> any it's a diet. Any uh, time you're trying to manipulate the size of your body by eating less food, uh, moving your body more, um, any type of 
trying to manipulate the size of your body will unfortunately not be successful. If it was successful, we'd all be walking around and being thin. Yeah. Um, because we're so, you know, so many of us are desperate to be thin. So and it has nothing to do with your willpower. I sort of liken it to making a deal with the devil where it's like it works short term. Sometimes mm. you might shrink temporarily and then you pay for it on the back end with weight gain and food obsession and in extreme cases it can spiral into disordered eating and eating disorders. And that was absolutely how it started for me. And I imagine you had plenty of experience that with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and uh, your story and my story are quite similar, um, suffering trauma and um, uh, disordered eating. And a big part of that is from starting dieting from a young age. And it just it just it just really messes messes with our brains. And who's got time for that? Let's just be happy. <laughs> Stop dieting. Just love your yeah. body. It's all good. Yeah. Well, if somebody's listening to this, which I imagine somebody is like, Hey, I like that. That sounds nice to love my body, but is unsure how to begin that process. What do you tell people about that? Mm -hmm. So we throughout our lives have been bombarded with millions and millions of messages to tell us what we should look like, how we should behave. And what we're told that we need to look like um, as women is uh, thin, white, um, have a thigh gap, your eyebrows need to be like this, you need to uh, be feminine, but not too feminine, but not too, you know, this and that. And, and the images that we see and we consume, so the the media that we we all you know watch and uh, adverts that we see and Instagram, um, it shows one body type on the whole, um, and so you need to start uh, surrounding yourself with things that are affirming you and your current body and so finding people who look like you on the internet watching shows that have have a fat love interest or uh, more people of color in there uh, different types of people um, and another um, side of this is challenging your own uh, fat phobia and so we're all fat phobic and fat phobia is is the um, the fear of fat or fat people but basically basically it's um, I'm scared to be fat and I think that if I was to become fat then xyz will happen and that fat person over there they're probably really unhealthy and all this type of stuff and so we're all fat phobic um, we'll have fat phobic beliefs even me you know every so often uh, something will pop into my mind and I'll be like Victoria where the hell did that come from um, and so into so trying to crack away at your own biases and it's going to take a long time um and a way to do that is when i was speaking before about how diets are messed up and they don't work people will be hearing that and saying yes yes you know this is interesting but if if, if i get fat I will be unhealthy. If I get fat, then I am going to uh, uh, have type 2 diabetes. If I get fat, my boyfriend will no longer find me attractive. All of those things, those hesitations and those fears are fat phobia. So it's very, very helpful to, to feel how you're, see how you're feeling when I, while I'm talking. And it gives you a clue on the things that you need to work on. Mm, thank you for that. Mm. And I'm going to use some strong language, but I actually don't think it's strong enough that we have been abused by the media. Mm -hmm. We've been yeah. told, and you alluded to this, which is what made me think of it. If you're in a relationship with somebody and they are constantly, no matter what you're doing, telling you it's wrong or not good enough, we would consider that emotional abuse. And the media does that. You see it with celebrities. If somebody gains too much weight, they plaster her face all over and body all over the tabloids. If she loses too much weight, they do the same. If somebody doesn't have enough plastic surgery and they're looking older, they talk about that. But if they get too much plastic surgery, then, oh my gosh, she looks like a freak. No matter what we do as women, it's criticized in the media. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's violence because that the, the, that messaging from the media leads to people um, uh, harming themselves. Uh, it leads to people um, having disordered eating, um, uh, eating disorders. It leads to suicide. It is violent. And so um, you really need to protect yourself um, from these messages because, like you say, it's it's literally abusive. It's literally abusive. And now it's becoming becoming more trendy um to talk about body positivity and all that type of stuff um and and so the media has got a little, little bit more clever of of not being like so outrageously awful but they still you know if you look through a magazine one page it'll be like love your body and the next page it'll be like oh have you tried this tea that makes you shit your pants and so you're like ah, <laughs> i'm confused it's so confusing yeah well yeah, and so. a lot of celebrities have jumped on this train too and it's funny i get these google like i have a google phone and it gives me this custom news feed every day and because i do a lot of reading about eating disorders and anti-dieting and all of this stuff, it kind of gets confused and will send me diet related content. Mm-hmm. And I saw this interview with this, I guess she's like a sports illustrated model or something like that. And she says, Oh yeah, I don't like to diet, but you know, I eat really clean and I don't eat this and I don't eat this and I don't eat this. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God, that's a diet. But um, people are, yeah. they're adopting the lingo and saying like, Oh yes. yeah, no, I don't diet, but I do all these diets. Thanks. So yeah, yeah. I don't diet, but yeah, yeah. I only eat celery and like rub pepper in my eyes. That's all I do. I don't diet though. I don't diet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's really hard for like the lay person to be like, ah, ha ha. I see what you're doing there. This is actually um, harmful to me. And I see a lot of companies now putting the body positive label on it and they're like, be body positive, lose weight. And I'm like, no, that is not what it is. And it's, it's really harming people because they, think that if they lose weight then they're going to get all the magical things that they have been told weight loss is going to give them um they're going to be thin and happy and brad pitt's going to be blowing up their phone <laughs> and they're never going to be thinking about food and all this stuff and it's simply not true 99.9 percent of the time i've That's, never had brad pitt call me yeah me neither so rude bummer, bummer. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I do want to talk about this internalized fat phobia thing. This is something you touched on and I think is really important and something that kept me in my eating disorder for a very long time because I was absolutely terrified of gaining weight. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't because of vanity. I mean, it was maybe partly vanity, but it was a lot of this terror of not belonging and Mm -hmm. being rejected and being unlovable because these are messages I had internalized inside my family system and also, of course, through the media. And I didn't know what to do with that. It it wasn't even, it didn't feel like a belief. It felt like a fact that if I Mm. gain weight, people will hate me. Yeah, yeah. And so dealing with that internalized fat phobia was a huge part of my process. But I think a lot of people don't even register what fat phobia is. And I know this is a lot of the work that you're doing. So I'd love to hear you expand on that. Yeah, absolutely. And so a big thing with um, stopping dieting, starting intuitive eating, I I feel like that's one side of the coin. And the other side is breaking down um, your your fat phobia. And you are absolutely right about the idea, like, is this a belief or is this reality that if I am bigger, I will not be loved? And it's kind of is a reality in the sense that um, fat people are stigmatized. People who are even a little bit fatter than um, an quote unquote um, average weight human, even though an average weight human is um, a fat person. But um, if we go by the BMI scale, um, you know, an average weight human, even if you're a little bit above that, you are less likely to get a job, you'll be paid less, um, less people will date you. Um, But that is the system that we currently live in. And just because that's the way it is, we shouldn't be adhering to it and buying into it because it's obviously really messed up. Um, And by believing those things and, and not letting yourself be your true version of yourself, um, you are, 
you're engaging in that system and you are um, lifting it up because you're not challenging your own beliefs. So you're a part of the system if you're not challenging your own beliefs. And so on one part of the, of your hand, yes, there could be some changes, you know, um, if you put on a significant amount of weight, you probably are going to be swiped uh, left on Tinder more often than right. I think that's the right way. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, it, yeah. um, and, you know, that sucks. But also, if you think about um, the people that you love in your life, your, your, your parents, your family, your spouse, all of those people, do you love them because of the amount that they weigh? Do you even think about how much they weigh? You know, probably not. Are you, if they come to you and they say, oh, I've lost two pounds or I've gained 20 pounds or whatever, are you going to be like, that's it. You're cut off, cut off from my life. I hate you. You are done. Like, that's not going to happen. We don't love people because of, of their weight. Um, uh, but it's a deep desire to want to belong. And we've been told by society that fat people don't belong. Um, but it's not actually a hundred percent the truth um fat people uh can be loved i know it sounds crazy like fat people being loved fat people can be desired fat people can be happy they can be smart they can be um every single thing that a, a straight sized person can be and they can live incredible fulfilled lives um and their body weight just is not even a thing like so for me my body weight, like, I just don't even think about it. And if people don't like me because of my body weight, I'm just like, that's great. They've kind of um, uh, screened themselves out yeah. because obviously they're a dick. So I'm <laughs> they've screened themselves out of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, a tough really thing. good filter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 totally. So uh, lucky me that I'm fat because I only get to meet the best people. So if, <laughs> when I'm dating, I only get to meet the people who are not bigots. It's amazing. And how do we, you know, obviously I am not a plus size person and being an advocate is something that's really important to me. And I'm curious how people like me can help and how do we approach this and, and what would you like to see happening? Yeah. So, um, if you live in a smaller body or, um, a straight size body, uh, a lot of people don't identify with the term thin because no one actually feels like they're thin, but a body which is um, which is smaller, not a fat body, then you um, have tons of privilege. And people get really mad when 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 uh, someone says, oh, hey, you have privilege. A lot of people are like, how dare you? I don't have privilege. <laughs> My life yeah. has been hard. And it doesn't it's not about like your life hasn't been hard or you don't, you know, not hate your body because you have a smaller body. But life is a little bit easier because you live in a body that society is not um, aggressively, violently judging every minute of the day. Um, and so recognizing that is amazing. It, that first step is already way above what most people do um, because we talk about a lot of um, other issues in social justice but a lot of the time fat is left out of it um, and supporting the fat people in your life by educating yourself on um, fat politics and so even just listening to this podcast is, in, is incredible already um, you know you will know more than the average person about fat politics um, already and sticking up for your fat friends when when possible. And so if if you're um, at a restaurant and someone comments to your fat friend, like, do you really need another slice of tofu or whatever? And you can be like, um, excuse me, motherfucker, that is not appropriate. Um, talking about um, fat as a neutral descriptor. So using the word fat and not being um, shy to say, oh, this great fat person and I met this um, fat people are awesome or whatever it is that you want to refer to fat people. Um, and when people say, oh, don't say fat, that's not a nice word, saying why? What's wrong with being fat? Fat is a neutral descriptor and I think it's okay to be fat and I think it's fabulous to be fat. Um, another thing is removing the O words from your vocabulary. So in the fat positive world, the O words um, are overweight and obese. Those words, um, they buy into and subscribe to the BMI scale and the BMI scale is um, 
really unhelpful and problematic um, for categorizing bodies. It's over 200 years old. It, it was uh, used to categorize white European male bodies, and it really doesn't have much um, significance in today's world. And it says that these are these bodies are normal. These bodies are over what the weight you should be, but there is no weight that anybody should be. And the word obese means literally means eaten till the person has got fat. And so it's it's a really judgmental word. And so um, taking those <clears throat> taking those words out of your vocabulary and using words like fat or bigger bodied, larger bodied, smaller bodied, that type of thing. That's very helpful. And I'm really glad you brought up privilege and I'll just own that when I first heard people starting to use that word in the eating disorder recovery space, it was a little triggering for me because I was like, holy shit, recovery was so hard for me. It was the worst, most difficult, complicated, frustrating, confusing thing ever. How is that privilege? And, mm. and then thankfully, I, instead of reacting to it or you know, arguing with it, I, I sat with it and I really did my research and I started to get curious about what this really meant. And what I've thankfully come to is realizing that as hard as it was for me, which was very hard, people have it much, much harder. If someone goes into a doctor's office and says, I have an eating disorder, but they're in a larger body, they're not believed. Mm -hmm. They're not given access to treatment a lot of times. They're told to go on a diet, which is likely to fuel their eating disorder further. Mm -hmm. And I even had access to medical care and therapy and coaching that many people don't have. And so I think it's important. It's not to say that your experience isn't extremely difficult. It's just that if you're believed in your struggle and you have access to care, you're already ahead of a lot of people who are, are told that they're just making it up or that they just need to go on a diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the cases, the amount of cases of atypical anorexia, um, so fat people can be anorexic, but um, if a fat person goes into the doctors and they weigh less than they did the time before, the doctor is going to be like, good for you. Well yeah. done. And even if the person is like, well, you know, I've only um, eaten nothing for the last two weeks, the doctor is going to be like, doesn't matter. You're losing weight. That means that you're doing something good. Um, and yeah, fat people are just encouraged a lot of the times encouraged with their with their eating disorder. And that's so messed up. And yeah, so messed up. And a lot of times um, eating disorder treatment is super fat phobic. And this is changing. But there's so many stories I've heard of people um, going into recovery. And it's kind of like, put on weight, but don't put on too much. You don't want to get fat sort of thing. Um, and that's super confusing for someone who is um, uh, struggling with with an eating disorder. Um, yeah, so you know, it, it it if you have a smaller body, you've got privilege, but it doesn't mean that you've not experienced really awful things, and um, you know, it doesn't mean that your life has been rainbows and fairy tales and all that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It just means that. Um, you can go to the cinema and fit in the seats and not have to think about it or go to a restaurant and not have to be like, oh, my God, there's a booth. I can't fit in it or be able to go to the mall and buy something from a shop. Like um, in my local um, shopping center mall area, there's one shop that I can shop in and I'm like borderline if I can even fit into the clothes. And so um, I can't shop for clothes and I'm a small, medium fat person. I'm not even fat, fat, like super fat is what we call in the um, the fat world super fat or infinity fat um and so it's just you know it's just a little bit harder if you have a bigger body to just exist in the world yeah and i'm curious to hear if you because i have some other friends in the fat activist community that just get destroyed on social media in the comments for mm. just posting photos of themselves being happy or <laughs> you know, in a bathing suit or yeah. something like that. And I'm curious if, 
if that's been your experience and and how you deal with that oh my gosh yes yes that has been my experience um so I was on a BBC documentary two-part documentary a few months back and that was viewed by 2.4 million people and before that I had um trolls being like oh you should die but after millions of people saw me in this documentary and the documentary was about accepting your fat body and just the just me saying it's okay to be fat people lose their mind they are enraged they they think that I am the scum of the earth they think that I'm encouraging people to die um they think that you know everything that you any negative thing that you can 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 think about um i am because i say that you can be fat and happy and people get confused because they think when i say you can be fat and happy that i'm like hey everybody um i really encourage you to be super unhealthy and uh, don't take care of your body or your mental health or anything else just you know just go ahead and die but that's not what you know um, happy fat people are saying happy fat people are saying hey um you know you don't have to lose weight to live a, f- a fulfilled life you can do it any weight you are and and it's very difficult for people who have spent their whole lives dieting um to 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 get to the place where they love and accept their bodies to be confronted with the idea that they might have wasted their time and they could actually be happy and fulfilled at the weight they are um and you know they need to give up on their dream of being thin that's really really painful for a lot of people to to hear you're probably not ever going to be thin and um the reaction to that is no you're wrong you're hurting people with that message um and you know it's not really anything to do about me it's everything to do about them so so yeah i've uh, i've had my trolls and uh, i've uh, i've had to do lots of things to protect myself um from the very real harm that they they cause hmm. what do you do to protect yourself and support yourself through that yeah so it's 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 really really hard um you go through phases of when I first started getting trolls, I was like, oh, screw them. I'm going to tell you. And I was like, how dare you? And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be really funny back to them and say funny things back to them. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to be really compassionate towards them and say, I'm so sorry you're feeling like this. And after a while, I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm just not going to say anything because it's no matter what job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter what you say, they're, they're angry, right? And so if you're nice or you're funny or you're mean, it's not really going to change their opinion. And so um, I have shut my my Twitter down so people can't um, uh, follow me unless they request. Um, my uh, On social media, I have to hide my location. Um, so I... So people can't guess where I am. Um, I know other fat activists, they've had people follow them to the supermarket, take pictures of what they've got in their shopping basket, uh, come to their homes, um, all sorts of things. And so um, I also on my Instagram, I make it so only people who follow me can comment on my stuff. Um, I have my admin person uh, go through uh, messages and uh delete the ones that are that are violent um yeah so there's a lot there's a lot of work goes into protecting myself and sometimes I just need to take a break from social media um and anything which is uh negative I just straight up have to delete it I can't ever read it because it 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 uh, affects my mental health and you know I want to be happy you know yeah I'm glad you do that I think some people try to transcend it or tough it out and at a certain point it's just it's not about you it's about this person venting their own pain and that's not your responsibility to have to to do your own emotional gymnastics to try to make that okay for yourself yeah and you know it's like you have to you have to get it's like a journey of accepting that people are going to have feelings about you good or bad and there's nothing really really you can do about it and um it took me a little while to accept that i couldn't change people's minds all the time and uh, which is like oh damn why can't i just influence everyone to think like me um 
but yeah like you say it's it's all about how they're feeling and as well all the I get a ton of positivity and you know the positivity actually outweighs the negativity which is wonderful uh, but two the positivity it really speaks to who that person is versus um, you know the stuff I'm doing might be good and impact their lives but really they're the 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 person the types of person who spreads positivity in the world so it's about them yeah and I I wish I could go back in a way and see how the kind of work that you're doing would have impacted me as a teenage girl because I mm. it's hard to know if it would have gotten through or not but there were just no healthy examples of diversity in body types being shown in the media being happy and there was no conversation yeah. about eating disorders happening at all and no. who knows I might have been one of those people freaking out and saying you're promoting an unhealthy lifestyle you know it's, yeah, yeah. It, it gets in so deep and I'm kind of curious I've never articulated this theory before and I'm, I would be very interested to hear your thoughts but because developmental trauma is my thing, I have this this sense that, you know, people internalize the messaging around body weight and diet from their family systems. And my guess is that for a lot of these people, challenging that would have felt like almost life or death as a child, challenging their parents' views about what's lovable and acceptable. And so when they grow up and they still have these deeply internalized views about what makes them lovable and acceptable and they see that challenged, it's like, I think the reason it's so intense is it must feel like a threat to survival, mm -hmm. which isn't yeah. a condoning, by the way, I want to be really clear about that, but it just makes me so curious because it's such a violent response that people have and... I know that's not coming out of nowhere and that's the only thing I can really come up with is that it it threatens their feeling of of attachment to their primary relationships and therefore has to be like banished and shunned as quickly yeah. as possible. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head. And that is the reality for a lot of people who do start changing their beliefs about um, weight and um, dieting, that they're the biggest struggle they have is with their family and those that they're closest to um, because the stories that they've heard throughout their lives and what is really um, a part of the family culture is the fact that we eat in this way or this is how we think about people who are fat or whatever and then going home and being like guess what everybody everything that you've been talking about for the last 30 years is complete bullshit and <laughs> like yeah. what's the family what's your family going to say to you if you come home and not that you'd say it like that but um you will be rejected and I see a lot of relationships break down because yeah. people have discovered this. I see um, the very painful reality of no longer being as close to certain people, family and friends, um, as they were because um, this is such a big issue of um, because you can't, you know, have uh, extreme dieters and fat phobes in your life um, in a massive way when you're trying to heal your own relationship. And so it's really painful and it can be really, really lonely because sometimes it will feel that, you know, you have the people on the internet who are saying these things, but you're the only person um, in a hundred mile radius who, who, who is starting to change their beliefs and everyone else is like, you're just, you know, you're just trying to make excuses why you can't lose weight and yeah. you're just, you know, there's something wrong with you. We need to stage an intervention because you're too fat and all this sort of um, bananas. So, yeah, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head um, perfectly there. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said that part about the Internet sort of not necessarily matching your actual reality. And I, ha I have clients that are in some pretty remote areas where they literally are the only person in their town that understands this and it can feel very mm. isolating. And I'm curious, I imagine you work virtually with people as well. And, and what mm -hmm. do you tell people that are feeling isolated like that? And like, they're the one person who actually understands this where they live. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, reinforcing the idea that they're not wrong, that they're not, you know, being lazy or being greedy and that they're not um, doing the wrong thing. And reinforcing the idea that friendships and connections that you establish online are just as real and important as those um, friendships and connections that you have um in the you know in your day-to-day life and in fact can be more important because sometimes you can be more vulnerable with people online um and encouraging them like a big question i always get is like how can i um find people locally and um you know if you if you are in a remote area i'm I'm currently in ireland in a super remote area and there's like um you know three people in the the local town or whatever (laughs) and so um, the reality for me is I'm probably um, not going to find a ton of people here that are going to be like, yes, Victoria, we love this. Um, but I normally live in Vancouver in, in Canada. In a bigger city, I am. But it doesn't mean that if I see people people face-to-face that that connection is any more important than someone who I'm uh, talking with online. So I always want to encourage embracing those online relationships and not discounting them because you don't get to see that person face to face because at the moment because the world is so fat phobic the truth is a lot of people are going to still be in diet culture and that's just the way the world is right now yeah i'm glad to hear you say that because it's it's true that a lot of people do discount online relationships and for me it's been one of the most life-changing things I've ever done talking about my story on social media and being vulnerable and sharing and connecting with people around the world. And those connections are really meaningful. And I may, some of them I may never even meet in real life, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's not a valuable connection and that I don't feel supported by them. Exactly. Right. And, and as well, like saying that they're not real relationships is, is, it's kind of, um, Uh, ableist because some people can't go out into the community and meet people face to face and all of their relationships are online and so if you discount them you're kind of saying you know uh, people who are not um, able to go out and meet people that they don't have real friendships and that's not true like online friendships are perfect friendships they're just what people need can we talk about ableism for a minute Mm -hmm. because some people may not even know what that is I think that's something that needs to be talked about more Yeah, so um, ableism and healthism um, and everything, all of the other isms, everything, (laughs) everything is intersected, right? All of the um, marginalized identities. And so ableism is uh, you uh, will have biased thoughts against people who are not able-bodied. So um, being disabled, you can have a visible disability or an invisible disability. Um, And healthism is prioritizing health as a indicator of worth and so this is a big thing that we do and the way that diet culture is shifting it they're saying it's not about how you look it's about your health and people are like well yeah I can get behind health health is important but the thing with uh, being ableist and being healthist is um, you're valuing your body and other people's bodies on how they perform and what they can do and you're striving to get towards something which is not always possible or in your control so engaging in healthful behavior is great amazing perfect do what you want but also if you don't want to great amazing perfect too um and if you are saying um i'm only worthy if i get a clean bill of health well sorry to break it to you, you're slowly dying. And so things in your body are going to break down and hopefully you'll get older and maybe you won't be as mobile. And does that mean that you're less worthy? Um, what if something changes in your body and um, some you, you get some condition? Um, are you less worthy? And also, you can never be 100% healthy. It's not a black and white thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a spectrum. So it's not like an on and off switch where, you know, you get a clean bill of health from your doctor and you're like, that's it. I've made it. You know, it's because health is a super complex um, thing. And a lot of times we ignore mental health um, and just focus on physical health to the detriment of mental health. And um, yeah, so um, saying things like... Um, 
here's an example. When a baby is born, uh, I don't care what sex the baby is as long as it's healthy. And that, that, so that's a problematic statement because um, what if the baby isn't healthy? Is the baby less lovable? Is the baby less important? And it's obviously it's not meant like that. Like if my baby's sick, I'm going to be mad about it. But it's it's really valuing health as a uh, currency in our culture. And it shouldn't be a currency because all bodies, no matter if they're healthy or unhealthy, are equally worthy. I'm so glad you used that example because that is one place where I never would have thought of that as being ableist. No. But now that you articulate that, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And it's and it's so innocent, right? You're not saying it because you're like, I'm going to be a real dick about this. You're saying it because <laughs> you, you you want good things, you know. But imagine if you said, well, as long as the baby's not fat, people will be like, what? <laughs> you know, Why are you saying that? It's OK if it's fat or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. just in, it's, it's in our culture so much to be um, healthiest and ableist that we don't even realize it. One thing I've seen recently a lot more is how diet culture is sort of seeped into mental health in the sense that people have started talking about weight as a manifestation of trauma with mm. this idea that if you heal the trauma, you'll re release the weight. That's the term that I'm seeing is mm -hmm. releasing weight. And that to me is so aggravating and <laughs> infuriating. Maybe it's a better word. And mm -hmm. And this speaks to this ableist, healthist, diet culture nonsense that I want to call that out in case people are seeing stuff like that because yeah, it's very problematic. Yeah, and you're right. It is nonsense. And if you could see me right now, you you mentioning it, my eyes are just rolling to the back of my head. Because <laughs> like, uh, I yeah. I honestly used to believe that. Like I I remember saying to my then boyfriend at the time all fat people are fat because they've experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. um, because I was fat, I'm fat, and I had experienced trauma. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm fat because I experienced trauma. I'm fat for many, many different reasons. Um, the reasons why someone is fat is literally in the hundreds. And a fat person, of course, could have experienced trauma and might have, uh, you know, affected them in different ways. But um, the idea that if you release trauma, then all of a sudden you're going to come, you know, become Tyra Banks or some supermodel <laughs> or whatever. is just redonkulous because um, that's not how the human body works. And as we know, uh, diets don't work. And um, there's no science to back this stuff up. And if it was true, we'd all be like, okay, let's get rid of this trauma. Let's begin, yeah. become thin, thin and happy. We'd all be thin, you know. We'd all be releasing trauma and be ha living happily ever after. But that's not the way it works. It's just selling some other type of miracle cure that gets people's hopes up. And then when it doesn't happen, then they feel like something's wrong with them. And then they blame themselves. And then it becomes, you know, this yeah. vicious cycle again. I felt this so deeply because in my life, um, before I found fat positivity, I was a an overachiever. So I was the best at my job in the country. I was the best girlfriend, the, the funniest, the smartest, the, the everything. And I wanted to make up for the fact that I believed that um, my outward appearance of being fat was showing the world that I was messed up in some way, that I had this trauma that I couldn't get rid of, which was having a fat body, you know, manifested in me having a fat body. And I felt so deeply ashamed that I couldn't get my shit together and just get thin. And so I had to overachieve to make up for the fact that clearly I was broken in some way because why couldn't I just become thin? Because I can do everything and be the best human in the world, but I can't become thin. And if I only knew at that time, it's, that's got nothing to do with it. Like, you know, you can be fat and be intelligent and um, emotionally well-balanced and um, have a high EQ and all that type of stuff. It's just got nothing to do with it. But that's not the messages that we receive. And so, yes, we need to get rid of that bullshit. We do. And you know, I think what tricks a lot of people, especially with social media, is they'll see these thin women with, you know, quote unquote, perfect bodies, what we're told is perfect. And she'll be talking about her workout routine and her diet plan and all these things she's doing. 
And a lot of people could follow that exact same thing and look completely different. And nobody talks about that. Mm -hmm. Well, people are starting to online, thankfully, but it's not talked about enough. And this idea, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say, um, in the uh, in that TV show that I did, we had a, genet- a geneticist come and uh, look at our DNA and um, look at the genes that predisposed us to be fat. And so um, there are so many different reasons why if I ate something, like you mentioned, and someone else ate it, I would be fat and the other person would be thin, you know, um, and it could be our genes, it could be our what's going on in our guts. Um, So for example, this geneticist um, identified that everyone in the house, we were all fat, all had multiple genes that predisposed us to being fat. So things like um, we um, had a higher um, desire for um, higher calorie foods, or it took us more food to feel satiated, Um, all sorts of different things. And so um, to say that it's a basic calories in calories out that's the science and it's that's really lazy science and it's just not true it's just it's just not it's not true at all I'm glad you said that because it's something that consumed a lot of my life was calorie counting I had every calorie counting app you can think of and I spent hours a day literally calculating what I should eat to fit within that range And it's so much more complicated than that. It is basically useless because (laughs) it has everyone mislabels calorie counts. They're allowed to mislabel calories and sugar and all these things and still get by with the FDA. And what you had yesterday and your genetics and the state of your gut microbiome and all of this stuff completely changes how a calorie impacts you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so it's just literally the biggest waste of your life. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's great way to mess with your mental health because um, you'll have a week where you're being, quote unquote, so good and, you know, eating no food. And then you get on the scale and you're like, oh, my God, I've not lost weight or I've put on weight. What is going on with me? What You know, wh- why is this not working? I clearly must be doing something wrong. I must yeah. be greedy that oh, my body is broken and it's if someone could just stand there and be like, listen, 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 this is not this has got nothing to do with you. This is just not how it works. Just go and have fun and relax. Um, Because, yeah, it's human bodies are complicated. They very much are. Yeah. Mm. So if somebody's staring into the abyss of intuitive eating and is afraid to to try that, what do you tell people to help them get started? Mm. Um, so for me, intuitive eating is just eating like we've never been fucked up by diet culture. (laughs) I like that definition. Yeah, it's true, right? (laughs) Like if you grew up on a desert island and you never were influenced by diet culture and the patriarchy and all the different systems that make you feel like shit, you would naturally be an intuitive eater. So naturally you're, you want to be, your body wants to be an intuitive eater. Um, and it's the lies that you've been fed that is making you afraid to listen to your body because what everyone thinks is I can't be an intuitive eater because if I allow myself to eat what I want, I will just eat quote unquote bad food, you know, in the, you know, I'll be stuffing it into my mouth for for days and weeks and years, and I'll become so fat, I'll spontaneously combust from fatness <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to be rolled out in this, you know, a truck or something when I die because I'm so fat. And, and, and I, I, That's what I just, thought. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I was just like, well, you know, anytime I'm around crisps or chocolate or whatever it is, I can't control myself. And the thing is, the only reason you can't control yourself is because you have spent so many um, years of your life denying yourself. Um, it's like, if you were told you had to hold your breath 
and you're holding your breath for a minute or a minute and a half, two minutes, when you're uh, eventually allowed to breathe, you're going to take in a massive gulp of air because you need to so you your body needs to eat the food that you've been denying and eventually you will start you know you you might be breathing a lot for a little while but then eventually your heart will start you know slowing down and you'll go back to breathing normally and that's just the natural way it goes and so a lot of people freak out and they're just like oh my god I ate like two chocolate bars and I'm like really <laughs> that's nothing like, it's okay yeah, yeah it's okay um and so uh and then also going into that um that fat phobia thing like is it true that if you eat loads and loads of food um and is it really loads and loads of food because a lot of time people are like well I ate three kernels of popcorn I'm such a beast and I'm like mm, really um it, you know is it true that you're going to become automatically unhealthy is it true that um it might be a nice idea to work on your mental health for a while and not necessarily so be so incredibly focused on your physical health not that eating food is going to damage your physical health necessarily but um there's different ways to look at it you know are you are you healing yourself by doing this is food I like to say like your food, eating food, like that is my prescription. That's like your medicine. Like you have to take it, like you have to go and eat the food. Um, and if you don't, then you're not getting your medicine. So, um, you know, it, breaking down those fat phobic beliefs of, uh, we spoke about earlier that I'm going to be unlovable and I'm going to be so fat and I'm going to be so unhealthy and, you know, everyone's going to hate me and laugh at me and talk about me behind my back. Um, yeah. So it's it's difficult. Oh my gosh! Let's just go to live in a desert island where there's no diet. <laughs> Sounds really great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. This is something else I think about a lot that I haven't really had a chance to talk to anybody about publicly. I'm curious about your thoughts with bulimia because I tried the sort of eat your way through to the other side approach when I was still very deeply in the throes of bulimia and had a lot of trauma that I hadn't processed. And it put me in some pretty dangerous situations with heart mm -hmm. palpitations. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't in a place yet to reliably not do violent purging behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so my take on it is that the eat your way through to the other side approach is really, really wonderful with, you know, chronic dieting and binge eating and anorexia and orthorexia and all of these other things. But with bulimia, it's, I feel like it's a little bit trickier than that. And so I sort of advocate a middle ground or at least, you know, giving yourself permission to eat things with support and with some supervision so that you're not potentially killing yourself. Um, mm. mm -hmm. But I'm just curious to hear how you think about that, because I, I know some people disagree with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, right? So um, being able to be in the place when you can start intuitive eating, ideally, you don't have um, an active eating disorder. It's yeah. very difficult to uh, trust your body trust the food that you're eating and go through the process when you're struggling with um uh, a mental health issue an eating disorder other things in your life um the way that i see it you know uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs yes the way that i see it is that you have to have um everything in your life stable and then you can tackle becoming an intuitive eater because it's kind of the the um the final frontier to becoming as well as possible with food like so I feel like you have to tackle your eating disorder first and then and also you can you know incorporate intuitive eating in your recovery if that's what's good for you um but if you if you like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is saying that you need like food and shelter and love 
and um, all these different things before you can move into self-actualization. And I feel like intuitive eating is self-actualization. And I feel like um, uh, eating disorders is the rung below where you're you're still struggling with um, basic uh, needs, you know, being able to feed yourself and, and that type of thing. Um, and that goes as, as well, like if you're in poverty. So people who, who are in poverty who can't get access to food um, reliably, um, it's really hard to be an intuitive eater then as well because you have outside forces that it makes it difficult for you to, you know, feed yourself in the way that you would need to feed yourself um, to be an intuitive eater. So, you know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. And ideally, um, you know, having that support um, from mental health professionals is is crucial to be able to get to the place where you can do intuitive eating and for it to work. I'm glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of people just advocate jumping straight into the deep end with it. And I think that works for some people. I've, I've seen it work for some people. And I also mm. have people reach out to me calling me saying, you know, I tried this and now it's it gotten really bad and my bulimia is worse. And I don't know what to do because everyone tells me to stop dieting and it gets confusing. It gets very yeah. confusing. Yeah, because like, what if, what are you going to do if you are still deep in an eating disorder, if you are still deep in bulimia, and you feed yourself um, in the ways that you would if you were having a binge, then you are triggering, triggering yourself and having triggering yourself to have those same emotions and reactions and feelings. And so you're not in a place where you can be like, oh, actually, no, I was just eating because um, it felt good or whatever, you know, it, you know, it comes from a different place. Yeah, so true. And I'm glad you talked about the privilege aspect of intuitive eating as well, because, you know, your body might crave a, a quinoa bowl with kale or something. But if you're on in the U.S. like EBT or something like that, you may not be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. And you may have to eat whatever, you know, food is available. Or if you're living in a food desert where all you have access to is, you know, Pringles and fried chicken then if your body's craving something else that's may not be accessible to you and so i think it's important to just know because i think intuitive eating can become another stick that we beat ourselves with if we're yes. not careful yes exactly yeah 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 and and you know not having access to food for for whatever reason is um trauma making as well so in in my my background is i grew up in poverty and i was homeless at the age of 17 and um so i was i brought up in a family where uh we we it was a diet culture family but also we didn't have food and so uh it it's very difficult to have a positive relationship with food when you don't have all the access to it and so um when uh people come to me and they're like i can't this is not working for me because i can't afford the food and i'm like you know be kind to yourself that you know no wonder don't be you know it's not it's not surprising that it's difficult because you're dealing with so many other things as well so um you know give yourself time and you know give yourself that love uh, to say you don't always have to be perfect in what you're doing. Oh, such an important message. You don't mm -hmm. always have to be perfect. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Uh, so true. Yeah. So we only have a few minutes left and I, I just want to say thank you for, for the work that you're doing and for being such a, a bright spark. I really just love, love your, your voice and your passion and, I would just love to open it up to anything else that you want to share with something that maybe we didn't touch on or something that you just feel called to say at this point. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> just to say that wherever you're at in your journey of, of um, you know, accepting your body or dieting or not dieting, um, if you don't love where you're at right now, um, if you don't love your body, if you, you're struggling with fat phobia, um, that situation doesn't have to be permanent. Like it's, it doesn't have to be your identity to be someone who hates themselves, who hates their body. It can change. And it's, it's not a fairy tale to 
for it to to happen it's very very possible um so things can change um and a lot of the the things that you believe about yourself are exactly that their beliefs and the good thing about beliefs is that they can be shifted and so um yeah just things can change um just keep following fat positive people and yes. body positive people and listening to podcasts like this and and, and uh, things will start to change for you. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you for being an ally. I really, really appreciate that. It's so important to have straight-sized people talking about this stuff um, because a lot of times um, straight-sized people are more likely to believe straight-sized people. So you're using your privilege <laughs> in a beautiful way, and I love it. So thank you so much for doing that. It's an honor. Thank you.